Welcome back to another episode of Teeing It Up. Uh, I am your host, Mr. C. Connor. I'm here with Vladdy again. I don't even know what episode it is. Uh, obviously, this is coming to you a little late. Late, God, I can't even talk these days. Uh, coming to you a little late after the holiday weekend. Uh, Vladdy, how you been? You know, I think it's been almost almost two weeks since we recorded. Yeah, uh, I think yeah, I think it will be almost a full two weeks tomorrow. But I've been good. Uh, the Fourth of July was great. Saw some friends. Saw people I haven't uh, seen in a really long time. Did some kind of classic white people activities. You know, right. uh, did all that outdoorsy stuff. I was I was the only person at uh at the first place I went to. I was the only person who couldn't get up on the wakeboard. <laughs> so I, I kind of like took that to heart. So I just kept trying and trying, and you know, it just it never materialized. Couldn't get up. So why do you think that is? Do you think that's a balance thing? Do you think that's like a core strength thing? Do you think you're uncoordinated or what? I think it was probably more of the fact that I just didn't necessarily know what to do. So yeah, after every wipeout, I was getting like coaching tips. And at one point I felt like they were kind of like contradicting each other when they go, put your foot here, push it back there, do this, do that. Had you you ever done it before? No, that was the first time I'd ever even tried it. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean. Not not the biggest, uh, you know, water sports guy. So I was just glad to go out there and try. I mean, then after that, we had kind of the, the long week of work and then had a nice little crazy weekend again coming into today, Sunday. What about you? Yeah, man, um, it was nice. My holiday was nice. I had a six-day weekend because we took off a little early for a family getaway. Uh, it was great. Uh, had a little too much fun. I think when you're having that much fun that many days in a row, it takes – uh, a while to get to recover. Um, so, you know, I was, we, it was a vacation from Thursday night until uh, we came back Monday afternoon. So that's what Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four and a half days of just having fun in the sun too. That also plays a role in a lot of it. I think uh, I was just gassed. It took me until probably Thursday, Friday uh, of this week to feel normal again. And then I had the concert. Uh, I went to Chris Stapleton Friday night. Great show. Uh, lots of different sounds in his earlier in the earlier acts um, that I wasn't aware of. People that I've never heard of, um, but it was great. Um, had a lot of fun there. Just all around good vibes, summer vibes. Um, and I'm very ready to. You know, we had ca- ca- kind of. I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. Uh, my sister's graduation party the week before. We were entertaining family. That goes into a long trip with family and friends. And then right when I kind of was recovering Wednesday, we had family friends in um, from New York. So I was kind of entertaining. It's just a lot of entertaining, a lot of social interaction. I love it. I don't mind it at all. It's great to see everyone, um, but I am ready to, you know, hopefully get some R&R maybe for the next week or so. So that's what's up in my life for all 20 of you. Um, They probably already know what's up in my life. So there you go. (laughs) Want to go into into the NHL? Yeah, so kind of... Yeah, so really, I mean, we'll get in. You can talk about some NBA if you want. There hasn't really been a ton. Oh, I said NHL. My bad. Yeah, I know. I, I'm oh, just kind of interested. The NBA, I'm just kind of introducing. There hasn't been a whole lot of sports talk. Really, the big event here, I mean, the Tigers went on a six-game winning streak before they lost 8 to nothing yesterday. Uh, that was kind of hype. But eight, losing 8 to nothing is a slap in the face, too. Yes, this team is still bad. This team is still only eight games worse than the worst, eight games better, sorry, than the worst team in baseball. But anyways, the NHL draft, um, very interesting, very intriguing, very shocking. I don't, I don't know how much you knew about it going in, but it was a bit, uh, a bit less of a sure thing than I think the NBA draft was. Aside from Ivy falling to us, this draft was crazy. Shane Wright, we'll start with that. Shane Wright was the projected number one for about. Two the last two seasons, um, maybe not the offensive firepower in this draft year that the people were expecting after he didn't play for a full year because the OHL and a lot of the Canadian leagues did not play. Um, again, kind of like the NBA, there was a consensus one, two, and three, and it did not end up being those consensus one, two, and three. Shane Wright fell all the way to fourth overall. Um, so the Montreal Canadiens selected Euro, Euro, I can't say his first name, Slavkovsky is the last name. <laughs> He's a Slovakian, Slovakian kid, big power forward, goal scorer, made, made a lot of sense once they made their early later move. They were very active in this draft. Um, I'll get into their later move in a second. Second was another Slovakian defenseman. Bit of a surprise kid was a top five kid. Uh, another big D man that is going to be very good, but very surprised that they didn't go cool or right. 
I think was more of the surprise. The third pick, uh, which I'm the most surprised that the Coyotes, you know, I kind of wrote, wrote about this in a blog that I did. Uh, just an incompetent franchise by a lot of means. Uh, they've had a lot of new faces come in and out, and they still haven't gotten it, it, it right, essentially. They've never been relevant. They've been to the playoffs maybe a handful of times in the 20-plus years of being an organization. Um which I guess is more, I guess, I, how do I talk like that? I'm a Lions fan. But anyways, <laughs> they decided to not go uh, Shane Wright as well. They went with the American kid, Logan Cooley, who I think is actually the worst of those four. Uh, I think sometimes those NTDP numbers are a little inflated. They're playing in worse junior leagues, I think, like younger for the most part. I mean, it's around the same age, but the, the median, I would say, in the USHL is a bit younger um, than in the OHL where you have more 19 and 20-year-olds. There's a lot of other 17 and 18 year olds in the U S league. Um, but anyways, far from that Seattle Kraken took Shane Wright at four. So that was kind of the big surprise there is that he fell. Savkowski, uh, Cooley and Shane Wright were kind of the projected one, two and three. So to see him fall to that, he gave a nice little stare down to the Montreal uh, front office as he got drafted, as he was taking the pick with Gary Bettman. Uh, I love him. I, 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 our good friend, Nick is, very, very high on him to almost a fault, but I love him. And I think he is going to be the best player in that draft. He's the best natural leader that it was surprising that an organization that has never had a leader doesn't take the pure, most natural leader among those four, uh, a guy that's been there for so long at the top. Um, so I, I look to see him moving on. Uh, let's talk about the wings. The wings had the eighth overall pick. They went with Marco Casper, um, a center of Austrian born descent. He played in the Swedish hockey league this last year. It's the fifth year in a row that Eiserman has decided to go with a European for their top pick in the draft. That goes back to Philip Zadina. Uh, I believe is Czech Republic, Czech, Re Czech Republican. What would that be? Just, it was just, just yeah, just Czech. He's Czech. It was 2018, 2019 uh, was Mo Sider. He's German. 2020 was Lucas Raymond. He's Swedish. 2021 last year was, I think it's Simon Edvidsson. I know it's the last name's Edvidsson, a big 6'5 defenseman, also Swedish. Uh, and then this year taking the Austrian uh, in Marco Casper. I didn't mind the pick. I don't think it's a home run. Casper uh, was projected anywhere from 7 to 17. Um, so he wasn't necessarily supposed to go. I mean, I, I think a lot of people had him going in the 10-ish range. So about where he was going is where we picked him. Um, you know, it's hard to not say – to talk shit on part of my language on Steve Eiserman. I just don't think this is a home run. I think this is a solid pick. Uh, it's hard to be super excited about someone who – the biggest knock on him is he doesn't have a very high ceiling and you pick him that high. Granted, like in hockey, once you get past the first three or four picks – there's a huge drop off in the success of those players statistically. Um, so it's not like he spent like a second or a third overall pick on a guy that doesn't have the highest ceiling per se. So I think it's a little safer in that it is, it is in a top three pick. It's the eighth overall pick. So to pick a guy that could be a, a solid second line center is very okay. In my opinion, at least I think this is someone that projects to slot in the second line as a center behind Dylan Larkin. They don't have a lot of center depth at all right now. Um, so it's a position they need and will need down the future because it is something that you need on every team uh, is a solid guy that can play middle six. Uh, he'll probably start off in about two years playing in a third line role and project to play into that second line role. You know, he's it, someone that you're hoping can be your second line center uh, on that playoff team. He's not going to be a, a hundred point player. He's not going to be a first line player on a Stanley cup winning team. He's someone that projects as a second line solid option. That's going to get 40 to 60 points a year and be a secondary scoring option on a good team. That's now that's saying on the Red Wings current roster, that would probably be, you know, that's what Dylan Larkin is now to our team. Even though I think mm -hmm. on like Colorado, Dylan Larkin's probably a second line center. So. So damn. question. Yeah. Uh, you say it wasn't a home run pick. Is that, was there someone there that you felt was a better fit? Do you think there was a home run pick at number I, eight available or? I just think there's a, I think he took like, I, by that I more mean there wasn't, I don't consider Casper a, like it's not a sexy pick. You could have gone something that's a little more explosive, but it's also someone that, hey, all, listen, all these kids are, you know, 90 to 100 point players in their junior you don't really know which one is going to end up being a 90 to 100 point. 
the NHL. It's one out of 10 of them, one out of 20 of them. Uh, But there were guys that were a little more flashier, have a little more upside. It seems like Casper is a little more, you know what you're going to get. Uh, Is a hard-nosed two-way player, though, uh, which is something you need on every good team, which is why I don't really hate the pick. Okay. Um, So then moving on, we had some huge drama as far as right before the draft, Alex Tabrinka. Well, first I'll, I'll, I'll start off with the Chicago Blackhawks chose to dump everyone that has not won a Stanley Cup for them. So basically they're only two over – I mean, Kane's 34. I think Taze is like 32. Um, they're two big-paying 30-year-olds that will probably at this point be stuck there forever. They're not going to be able to move Taze with his contract. They'll eventually have to buy him out. And Kane's just – Kane's still a great player, but it's still that contract is so hard to move for a return that you probably – um, so they're both kind of stuck there, but they chose to dump every single young player. And they said, if you're not making nine and a half million for us, you're gone. So Seth Jones. So this is my biggest problem with it before I get into the trade is you now have Seth Jones making nine and a half. Patrick Kane makes 11, 10 and a half, somewhere around there. Chase makes 10. That's over a third of your salary cap spent on those three players. And you are going to have one of the worst rosters in hockey for the next few years now with this rebuild. So I, I just there it's a tough situation because like what what else were you gonna do? I just don't love trading who they traded. So we'll start with Alex Jabrinkit, 24 year old from Farmington Hills, Michigan, great player, but over 40 goals last year was over that pace last year as well in the shortened season due to COVID. Um, someone at only 24, like I said, is someone who's one of the more dynamic goal scorers in the game. Uh, he only makes 6.4 right now, but I believe that's up at the end of the year. So he'll be he'll be someone that makes $9 million starting next year. But he gets traded to Ottawa, a team with a lot of cap and a team that, you know, if they can get Claude Drew, like they're rumored to, that, this is a team that's kind of like the Red Wings. They're a team that could be dangerous in a year or two. Uh, a lot of young talent, a lot of cap space to go. I mean, they're going to have to pay some of their young talent here shortly in the next couple of years. But, you know, that's par for the course when you're trying to win is you're going to be around the salary cap. Uh, AKA the Tampa Bay lightning, which I'll get into their deal in a little bit. So they sent over the seventh overall pick a second rounder and a third rounder next year for Debrinket. Uh, so that happened right before the draft. The Penguins also re-signed Chris Letang. We can talk about Malkin. He's uh, that that's going to be a terrible situation. He's pissed. They haven't resigned him. They, he thinks they don't want him. It's, it's going to be a sour ending for one of the more, historic careers of the Penguins have ever seen. And that's coming from an organization that's had, you know, Yager, Lemieux, Crosby. Um, anyways, the other one that was a shocker was there was a three-way trade uh, around thir- the 13th pick, you know, again, involving Chicago, where they sent 21-year-old, Vladdy, a 21-year-old in his third year, third overall pick. He was hurt last year, so he's really only played one full season, had, play, had like third-line numbers, so it wasn't great. But again, he played the shortened year because of COVID and then he played, he was out last year with a wrist surgery. And then he played this past year and was just okay. They traded him away. A team that's rebuilding traded a 21 year old away. Um, they traded him to Montreal who had that, that first overall pick, mind you uh, in return, Chicago got the 13th overall pick from the Islanders. And then a third round pick uh, the Islanders got Canadians defenseman, Alexander Romanoff. Uh, solid young player, 23 years old. They have now have a solid core. I think Romanoff's a solid stay-at-home defender, second power play unit guy. Um, they now have, you know, they have Sokovsky, Caulfield came on at the end. They have a tight, tight young core that I think is going to project well into the future. Um, and then the Islanders, I said that. Montreal got Doc, and Chicago got the two picks. So that was the big thing. Chicago decided to light a fire under their team. Uh, I didn't really like who they drafted in general after that. I think they had three first round picks. I didn't, wasn't crazy about any of them. So that's the big drama that happened to kind of get into some signings. Really the only big thing, uh, Minnesota traded Kevin Fiala to LA, who then signed a deal for about 8 million, which is big money. Um, yeah, I was a great player the last two years. I mean, it hasn't been great for – it's this new thing in the NHL where I, you provide us just a small sample size and we'll provide you the money. You got a 7 by 7.8 deal. L.A. is another team that that came to the playoffs, uh, what many people would probably say early, and, you know, are, I think have a great young core moving forward as well. 
Uh, Malkin's still not signed. Like I said, that's going to be a bad situation. The big one, I mean, Philip Forsberg resigned with Nashville recently for eight and a half million per year, I believe eight years. Uh, Ryan McDonough was traded away from the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's one of the best defensemen in the league. He makes about just under seven million. So I've mentioned before Tampa Bay is over the cap. Um, they traded him for Philip Myers, who's like a bottom six to pairing defenseman and then a, an AHL player. Basically a pure salary dump move. They need to need to move money, especially if they want to resign Andre Pilat. So that's what that was. Um, other than that, there's still a lot of big UFAs not signed right now. So I'm sure next week I'll have more to talk about on that as uh, we approach that window for RFAs this week. Yeah, I said one thing, and so I, I was I was listening to um I was listening to a, some sports show or I think last week, and they they kind of made a funny point where it's like, do you think part of hockey's like popularity problem is that half the guys you can't even pronounce their name because they're coming from foreign countries and you just don't know who they are? Right. It it is interesting because yeah, I mean, I guess I never really thought about that. And even so, like, even the majority of players aren't American. So, like, yeah. I mean, yes, there's eight Canadian teams, but the majority of players are still Canadian in a league where the majority of franchises are American. Yes. And that's are American. Do you think if you, like, compile the list of, let's say, like, Eastern European, like, maybe, like, uh, diplomats or, like, kind of, like, prime ministers, do you think if you, like, combined a list of like NHL prospects or NHL players like that list. Do you think I'd be able to tell the difference between some of them? <laughs> no, I, I, it's, it, it is interesting that you say that. Cause this year was especially like uh, 2019 was primarily an American was a huge American year. I want to say there was over 10 that went in the first round uh, the year before year prior was a big, all the top guys were Canadian. And then this year, I want to say we had like, like at least four, Europeans go in the top 10 which is rare so it's a it was a year that you it was you it felt like you couldn't say every other name oh yeah I, I do remember Asper's pretty easy to remember yeah I was trying I do remember looking at uh just kind of a prospect ranking let's see if I could like learn something before uh we started talking about this and I was looking around at the names and I'm like what am I staring at it's like bless you thank you and yeah. have a good day <laughs> It's uh, it's it, I mean number one overall pick I I, I couldn't even say Yuraj Slavkovsky yeah, Slavkovsky yeah uh, the second guy was like something Nemec which he's yeah all and that was a little easier to say <laughs> um, but yeah, oh I, boy I don't know how much of a role that really plays in it do, do you think it's just like I don't know I I think uh, I you know what I think hockey's biggest problem is and I don't think it's solvable and this could just be me just being conspiracy theorying. But- um, is I think the at the players because it can't be right though because like football throw it out there come on I think that the glass having the glass and they're all in pads and ha- have helmets on and they don't take the like in football they take them off and you see them on, you see them yeah. on the sideline you don't really see that in hockey because their helmets are on the entire time and you don't actually recognize any of the players facial expressions while they're on the ice I so. could. I could get behind that. And so to kind of go off a little bit more, like even with a lot of the football players, unless it's a quarterback, I pro- like if I ran into you at like, let's say the, at the supermarket, other than the fact that you might be six, three and like Jack, depending right. on the position you play, I, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you most faces of NFL players. I, you know, the quarterbacks, I guess, you know, the guys who have like crazy hair. Like if I saw DK Metcalf walk in with like a pink blue, like hybrid, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at the Skittles. Yeah, I'm like, all right, that might be DK Metcalf. But I, I do think there might be something to that where just like there is no beyond marketability, there's just no recognition of the players right. because you, you you don't see them. Right. You don't see their face. And it is that like that whole old old hockey guy that like the media, it's it's there's no like quotes. Like the NBA, like those guys are their own entity. They oh, have yeah. crazy quotes, they only care about themselves. Hockey, it's like every interview you see is uh, well, we got the puck in deep. Uh, the boys played well. Uh, that's a good team on the other side of the ice. That, like, yeah. That's a year, uh, which I think could, needs to change as well if you really do want to grow the game. Is that yeah. the NBA, especially, you can build like a it's like a, a drama series around it. Essentially. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. Each guy is like, and obviously, this, we're talking about the top guys here, but like 
they're their own brand. You've got your own right. agent, your own shoe deals, your own investment portfolio. All your, you all, they all want to be part owners at some point. They all have like off the field aspirations that lead into be, being more than just a player. That also, that also is, I think, cause like they, they make way more money because a it's, it's more popular and there is the recognizability factor and it's just smaller rosters. So they can make more regardless. True. Yeah. I, I know the salary cap for hockey is only what 82 and a half million, but like there's, you have to pay for 20 plus guys on a roster. So no one's making more than 12, 13 million. Absolutely. No, um, Which we, we can get into the one NBA news we should talk about is the Damian Lillard signing. Oh my. Yeah. He's, I believe it's two years, 133 million, 122. I think it was a two year, $122 million extension. And I, I remember I saw that I sent that, uh, I sent the text to all my buddies. I just kind of forward. I was like, when I see something like that, it's like, you always got the people who are like, Oh my God, he deserves a ring. And he deserves that. Like he willingly signed no. this. He willingly right. he he probably extorted that. Like, how can you sit there, expect to make 60 million a year, and then somehow want your organization to like su- surround you? I I like Jay, actually kudos to him. I didn't think James Harden would do this. So James Harden, I think, took like a 15 or 20 million dollar pay cut to go to go re-sign with the 76ers. Right. You've got guy uh, the, the two main ones, Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal. Those guys are just basically I, I think they're mercenaries. So Good for you. Like, I'm not saying I wouldn't chase the money because that's a lot of money. I'd have to look at my options, but this is more so for the people who try and defend and say, "Oh, he deserves the ring." He doesn't. No. He 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 chose the money. There's nothing wrong with that with making a choice in life. It's just there's going to be an opportunity cost to to say that you're now the highest paid player in the league, and that opportunity cost is there's less people around you, and maybe Damian Lillard's just not good enough to overcome that talent gap. I also think it's uh, you know it's a it's a franchise that is not going to spend money like the like the Lakers or the 76ers True. or the Knicks are going to spend money. The, so you know by taking a 60 million per year salary cap hit that they're not going to be able to surround you with a team that's going yeah. to win a title. No, that's that was that was very interesting. Um, I I did want to say one more thing just because I was watching it this morning before I kind of get into the kind of the bigger thing. But I was I was watching the Wimbledon final. Uh, Novak Djokovic against Nick Kyrgios and Nick Kyrgios is an absolute madman I mean this guy after every point he's walking around with his hands in the air he's screaming at the ground he was screaming at the umpire he started yelling at the crowd he's yelling at his box he tried to get some he tried to get one woman thrown out he's he's like she's had 700 drinks she's talking to me every point yeah. and like obviously because it's tennis you're expected to be quiet so you hear all of it brought his yeah. he's swearing the cameras can't mute it out it was amazing it was amazing so what uh what nationality is he uh curios is australian australian okay so that's english he's speaking yes he's young okay yes he, yeah it's, it's incredible i didn't watch it but oh i the, the the stuff i saw in sports center on him like a couple nights ago before he was even in the finals it's just like where does this guy come from I mean, it's it, it's kind of sad since he's immensely talented. Up until now, like he was his own worst enemy in two different ways. He never really put in the work. It was kind of that like I don't need to train because whatever. I don't really care. Right. And like he's gotten a little bit better with that. He, he is playing some of the better tennis of his career. And the other one is just like his temper. He's got I don't know if it's anger issues or what, or maybe just has a tough way of like ex- like channeling it into like proper like I guess productive ways but he's 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 immensely talented he just always gets in his own way yeah that's interesting yeah but all right so to go into the big thing obviously the big news i think it was not last friday might have been the friday before that you had uh the pac-12 or you had usc and ucla had announced they were joining the big 10 and so it kind of starts setting this up where like Marvel has DC, Coke has Pepsi, the United States had the Soviet Union, and now you kind of have this, like, it's almost shaping up to be a Big Ten versus SEC, like, super conferences. Yeah. It was the Big Ten's counterpunch to the Texas and Oklahoma news of them joining the SEC. And to be honest, I really, really don't like it, but you can't go back, so we got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you want to you you take the, the, the first word on that, and then I can follow up? So, I mean, 
I agree that it'll be sad to see college football as we know it change. It changed after the college football playoff from the BC. It changed when they did the BCS title game when that started. So this is just to me the next evolution of college football, whether it's good or bad. I think it's a direct correlation to NIL and how crazy and how wild, wild west that has become because now there's even more money around each conference estimate. Go ahead. I was just, I actually don't think the NIL plays that much in this. I think this is all just because the, the, the TV, TV deals. Because yeah. like they're about to get renegotiated. Um, I, I was going to say this later, but I don't know if you saw this. UCLA was going to cut up to 75% of their scholarship sports because they have no money left. Yeah. They're, abs- they're broke. And so I think this is just schools starting to look out for each other saying, look, if I can go get somewhere where I'm taking 60, 70 mil more per year, I have to do that. Yeah. But Which makes sense, but like just just getting into the logistics of those the, the, the two schools joining the Big Ten is like you talk about how a lot of the, these scholarship sports were gonna get cut. How are they if they were doing that poorly, how are they now? I don't get how big the TV TV does are, but like how are they going to be able to send nonprofit sports like cross or women's swimming how are they going to send those schools ucla and uc how are they going to send them to Rutgers on the all the way on the other side of the country and vice versa how is Rutgers going to send them to ucla how are they going to afford that uh so i have no idea them i i want to say i saw like the school officials like yeah we've thought about this and like we will release details later which is usually code word for we're just going to make this deal now and we'll we'll work on it later Right. And, and to be honest, you have time, you know, they said it's going to be as early as 2024. I'm assuming that's when it'll be. So like they do have two years to figure stuff out like that. Maybe they set up some kind of funds so you can get charter planes or for the, those teams. But, you know, it's an interesting point. The dynamic is very interesting. The logistics will be tough. It's like, are you going to start kind of like scheduling almost like road trips where maybe you don't go fly to Rutgers on a Thursday just to fly back to for a home game on a Sunday? Right. Maybe you're going to fly to Rutgers. That means you've got a two week span of we'll fly over there and then we'll get some buses and go around and play the, the schools out East. And then we'll come back. I, I don't know. I just think Which, that that makes it even more of a professional sport. Then like we talk about the NIL and how it's changing. Like these are no longer yeah. amateur athletes. That's changing it just as much. You're well, right. legit road trips. You're not yeah. a student at that point. No. And I, I think that it is turning into a semi-professional. I mean, semi is very loosely quoted that's just got to be thrown there because i guess for a while yeah density is supposed to be amateur but yeah it's it's, it's a professional sport right. um i guess i, I do want to kind of say like i guess i did want to talk a little bit about like what it meant for like certain things for the pac-12 i mean i think that they're effectively dead um yeah. you lose your two flagship like meet big time media market schools like how can you have a west coast conference and you're not in la that's the right. second biggest city in the United States. Um, you're probably your probably your most historic football program and yep. your most historic basketball program. Yeah. And then you also had the rumors; they already started. You had the Pac-12. Uh, you had you had the Big 12 looking at I think six of the Pac-12 schools. So all the remaining ones, but Cal or Stanford. There, I think it was what Utah, Arizona, Colorado, ASU, Oregon, and Washington. So I guess Oregon State and Washington State, no one just cares about because they're useless, but. You, you got the rumors of them talking. Um, I could see Stanford getting a look from the Big Ten later when the Big Ten decides to make its next move. Same. But I guess if we want to move on to guess the other stuff for the for for Notre Dame, I mean it's Notre Dame's your classic. We're too good and too important to be in a conference. I think this might finally catch up to them in the sense that I think you start to get strong armed. And w- what if the Big Ten? What if the Big Ten just says, you know what, you're no longer allowed to play our schools. You, you want to play yeah, against, right. you want to play USC every year for the Shillelagh? You can't. We're not going to let you. Yeah. You they're, going, against... they're going to they're going to take away the, the available pool of yep. money from from them. Yeah, and then I mean, I guess Notre Dame, I want to say the the AD or whatever. I, I saw he said that as long as there's a viable path to the playoff, Notre Dame will stay independent. However, I don't think there will be at some point. Like, What's your schedule going to look? You're playing Marshall playing against Boise State, maybe that, maybe those five games against the terrible ACC schools that you get in the rotating cycle. So, plus, I I mean, I also have some fantasy, fantasy Xbox world stuff to say later, but um, I guess to go to the SEC, um, 
to them initially, I don't really think it means anything. It just kind of throws the ball in their court and it says it's your move to see your move to make. Who, who do you want to poach now? Um, you right. want to go get some ACC schools? Do you want to go continue to raid the Big 12? Like, what's your plan? So that it doesn't really mean much for them. It's just they're going to start looking for their next counterpunch and how are they going to expand? Um, right. For the Big Ten, I mean, you've kind of completely thrown geography out the window, as you mentioned earlier. Um, but it also does mean that you're in the three biggest markets in the U.S. You have New York, you have Chicago, and you have L.A. So I think that's that that and that I think that's just huge for when it comes to negotiating the TV deals. Um, it also opens the door for more. Um, I would like the Big Ten to kind of stay on the front foot. I know since I mean since I wrote this down, this was last week. I, a lot's changed. Um, I wanted them to go get Oregon and Washington. So go get the Seattle market, go kind of close off the West coast, but they've kind of said that we're going to stand pat and just wait for the, for Notre Dame to make their decision, right. which I, I don't, I don't necessarily like that because if you're going to sit there and let, let's say Notre Dame says, yes, we'll join the big 10. But then why, if, if you're going to have, if you're going to afterwards go for Oregon or Washington, why wait, why not just go get Oregon and Washington now and then wait for Notre Dame later. So uh, that's that's just one thing that is. So I mean, the other thing I did want to say is like wh- why it happened. So I I thought about it in like a bunch of different ways from a business perspective. I think that a lot of people said the Pac-12 just didn't have a very good TV deal that they signed anyway, so they weren't making a lot of money from their stuff. And I guess the projected next one was just not as much as they could have. But I think that's partially because they're West Coast and they are on it either nine o'clock in the morning yep. or 10 o'clock at night. I yep. think that's partially, they just lose, like they lose buying power in any deal. They lose any leverage just yeah. in fact. And then I do also want to say, like, I feel like some of their stuff, um, like Pac-12 after dark, you know, in college, that was one of the coolest things ever, you know, come back from a night out. It's 1231 in the morning and there's still football on because they were kicking mm-hmm. off at 10, 30, 11. I think that was some of the coolest stuff ever, but like, that's just a college kid. Right. You have to realize yeah. the everyday work, the everyday person, the everyday dad or mom or whoever it is, they're not staying up till 2 a.m. to watch football. Neither right. are kids. So while it was great for me coming home from the bars and having some football to watch, that's not a, that's not a viable business opportunity. It's not how people are going to watch. And then on the football side, the Pac-12 just basically imploded every year. I mean, you hadn't had a playoff team since 2016. Oregon is legally required to lose twice a year. USC has been dead for 12 years. I mean, Utah always seems to be that kind of like one step short. I was looking at it. They haven't had a one loss conference champion since 2016. Which, you know, I mean, it speaks to it's somewhat competitive interconference. Yeah. Um, I'm like, yes, you're right. There's a lot of parity there. But that also just means like you're you're not going to see the playoff with a two loss team, right? Which which means in the end, if you're not producing playoff teams, there's less of a demand for your regular season games. Yep. No bad TV deals, lesser TV deals. I mean, yeah. So I also did just kind of like to kind of continue with the time. I'd say like what happens next. I think like I said, I think the SEC goes out to raid something. Um, I, I assume they'll go after the ACC. Uh, probably Clemson, Miami, and Florida State, just because I think those are the yep. schools that matter in the ACC. Um, I think the Big Ten will take Oregon, Washington, Stanford. Um, and I also think this kind of turns into like a food stamps NFL. And I, I, I'm not a fan of it. To yep. be honest. Um, no, it, uh, it, it's going to, it's almost going to turn into like, I think I've mentioned this to people, the, like European soccer and that like it's going to be the Big Ten and SEC are one division. Uh, and then like everybody else, big 12 is the next relegation and you win the big 12, you can go and play in the sec or the big 10, the next, like, it's just going to be tiered at that point. Yeah. And so, more than it already is. I, I initially thought that as well, but I did think of some, like a, a good point. If you were one of those like fringe teams right now, why would you agree to this? Like if I'm Illinois, why would I sit there and willingly say, oh, well, I'm okay with us implementing this system where I'm probably going to get knocked down to the Mac next year and then I won't be collecting right. a big TV deal. So right. I, while I think that would be the best way of going forward, I just think economically the smaller schools that are already inside, the Northwestern, the Illinois, the Purdue, the Ennis, why would they sit? Why would they agree to this? No. Yeah. And like, I, I guess I don't know how it works there. I don't know if it's like you just need simple majority or if you need like a unanimous agreement. 
I would never sit there and willingly say, hey, I'm going to turn down this $150 million paycheck because my football program isn't good enough to compete with Ohio State. But mm-hmm. I did have like a couple, um, I guess, kind of fantasy land things. So like, if uh, I'll kind of throw them out if you want to just, I guess, rank them. So what if you, if they went to, let's say, just a two major, like let's say two 24 uh, super team super conference. So you had your SEC, you had your Big Ten, um obviously geography doesn't matter anymore Mm -hmm. and then the quote-unquote playoff is basically just an expanded let's say you have a you have like a big 10 like i guess playoff and an sec playoff and then the winners of the two playoffs go to play each other um yeah i don't i love that i mean it makes a lot of sense but it's also like that's so like sad to think about like that, like there won't be like a big 12 or a Pac-12, like basically even like if you're the fourth, like ACC and Pac-12 were the fourth and fifth power fives, like it takes away even the competition of like any of those teams making it by yeah. directly. Well, right now you have this secret thing where like UCF a couple of years ago, they went undefeated and still didn't make it. But like, it was always in everyone's head, like for Cincinnati this past year, like why shouldn't they make it if they continue to win? That's going to completely take that novelty, yep. uh, those schools out of it. If it's just directly the, the winner of the Big Ten, the, and the thing though is, uh, unfortunately, that's that's just kind of how it is. Like it is the, the NCAA, everything else, it is big business now. And mm-hmm. so I'm pretty sure I, I was looking at it, there's only like 40 schools who actually make money. So like, if you let's put it this way, does anyone really care about Syracuse football? Like, if Syracuse football tomorrow just ceased to exist, do you think people would miss it? People in Syracuse might. Yeah, people in New York might. I don't think I would. I mean, if can't, how, why does Kansas still have a football program? <laughs> so, you know, so yeah, I just think that, like, I think it'll kind of get to a point where, like, it weeds out all the guys who've just been kind of, like, fludging along, like, slowly but surely just because they're being yeah. pushed by everyone else. I think it weeds you out, and maybe you'll stay still play football, but – you won't be playing at the, the highest level um, unless you change something, yeah. the culture of your program or the money yeah. you put into it or coaching staff. And like, I guess like now that we've kind of, I, cause I feel like I've said most I need to say, so like I just kind of wanted to get to like the sentimental side. Like I am going to miss the college football that we knew. And like, not just, I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh, I'm never going to watch again. I'm not going to make those stupid stands that you never know whatever follows through with. But it's, I was always a really big fan of, Every game in college mattered in the sense that if you weren't undefeated, you're out. So, like, I, I just think it was – it meant so much more. Like, I think a prime example would be, like, with Michigan State's football team this year, after we beat Michigan, like, I feel like as, like, fans, maybe we started believing there's something there right. just to get our, our shit rocked by Purdue next week. But um, it, every game – like, we had to go play Purdue, and it mattered because you had to beat them. Right. I feel like when you get to this, when you get to this, like when the dust finally settles in whatever, whatever this next version of college football is, I think it will be normalized to lose multiple games and still be in. Like, I, I, I don't think you're, you're going to be seeing your, your 12 and one, 11 and one teams in the playoff anymore. I think you'll have three lost teams, depending on how big they go. They might have a four loss team. And I just think right. that'll make each game less special because, oh, you lose to Purdue. You can still go. So yeah. It's taking advantage of what the NFL does and that every game does not, yes, a lot more than, you know, and this is part of why NFL is the most popular is because the individual game does mean more than the other three major sports that play 82. Yeah. Um, but the NFL knows they own a day of the week. Yep. And so they, they take advantage of that. Not every game, like it's not livered. You, you can win a Super Bowl if you lose on Sunday. Yeah. Right. And I think the college football is starting to turn into that or will start to turn into that. And they own Saturday. Saturday is their day of the week. And people will still watch if that game doesn't mean anything. In fact, the more good games we can throw at people as opposed to how how good they mean, more people will watch more good games. I'm more likely to watch Oklahoma play Texas. Bad example. Because they'll they'll play every year. Texas, I'm more, more concerned about Texas playing Michigan, say. And they're both top 25 teams. Say they're both six and two at the time. I'm more concerned about getting more of those games than me having to watch Michigan play Indiana. Yeah. But I guess a counterpoint to that, and like this is kind of that like 
but that's why it makes it special. If you're watching Michigan play a Texas or that caliber of team play each other every single week, I think you lose that special feeling because you see it every week and eventually you become numb to it. Right. But I think like we live in a world of such overstimulation that like, we're just, we just, we just want, most people want to be overstimulated. And I, and I get that everyone thinks more is better. Casual thing. Yeah, everyone thinks more is better. I don't always know if that's true. Like, I I, I don't understand why. Like, I don't. I, I, I it's tough to phrase. I I, I can paint, paint the picture. I had I should know how to say this. I think that you you're gonna lose some of the, I guess kind of the, the yeah. There's just the special feeling of yeah. You have to go to Purdue to go play them and you know what you might lose and it'll be it'll be great for them it'll be great for you um right but more my point is like from a business standpoint from a market standpoint we we michigan state goes and plays purdue really the only two places that really care about that game are michigan and upper in or mid middle to southern indiana those are the places that where if i can if if say they play that game and michigan state turns around and goes and plays ucla now and both teams are six and one that more eyes are on that game nationally. More eyes care yeah. about the game. Oh, I'm not debating that. Like, I, I, obviously, I understand. It's just I'm saying, like, from the sentimental value, I do think right. that okay. you're going to kill the yeah, – I think you're going to kill what makes it special by oversaturating it. And, like, I also do think, like, with this expansion, I think you're going to start losing some of these protected rivalries, like Michigan and Minnesota playing their little for their little brown jug. Yeah. You're going to lose that. I wouldn't even be shocked if you start losing Michigan State, Penn State every year. I think you might – you get one, maybe two protected rivals, and that's it. Uh, we'll see for now how that how that works. I think we lose that way down the road. I, I think just adding USC and UCLA yeah. – Yeah, I'm just saying, like, when all this dust looks – obviously, we all know that you don't – you're not stopping here. You, right. There will be more. We'll see what happens, but – I, I just think that I don't know. It's it's disappointing, you know. It's I'm gonna miss it. I'm gonna miss the urgency, the upset factors, kind of the let, let's say let's say that big school. Let's say Clemson loses Week One to Notre Dame. Clemson now has to be perfect. And watching right. Clemson games is nice because you know that if they lose again, they're done. And that that kind of that makes you. I I I think like something about the urgency like that that really resonated with me. Um, so do you want to go into our list here? Yeah. Um, yeah. So for our list this week, we decided um, we were going to make the list of the top five schools out there that the Big Ten should go after next for expansion. Okay. So um, do we, I think number one's unanimous. Do, you just, do yeah. we want to throw number one I have, out? I have Notre Dame. Yeah, I have Notre Dame as well. Yeah. So I just think, you know, I, I hate them, you know, the, the entitlement factor, all that, but you kind of need Notre Dame in the sense that if they show up, that's brings probably back that's probably two hundred. Like you get NBC on your side, and that's probably two hundred million extra to your TV deal. So right, it's the it's the Notre Dame factor. Plus, you talk about taking away rivalries. Notre Dame would in the Big Ten would bring back. Yeah, no, yes, that would that would be huge. Like that would create a lot of big games. Um, so yeah, do we want to go down the list or do we want to go up the list? Because like I mean, like I, I figured that there might be some more. Um... I think we go one to five because my okay. like, my three through five are kind of like fantasy land. Like, Fair to... enough. All right, well let's hear number two. My number two is Oregon. I think it's uh, one of the bigger football programs to get that isn't in the South. So the SEC is going to have their first hand at some of those schools that you mentioned: Florida State, Miami, Clemson. Um, that it's probably the best available football program, and let's be honest, football makes way more money than basketball. Yep. It's one of the best football programs available that isn't stuck in the South that yeah. DC is going to have their first picking at. So I went, I went with Washington. Um, I, I, I just understand I mean, Washington usually is pretty good at football. They've had a couple down years, but I just think getting access to the Seattle market is, would be nice. Um, but you don't think Oregon has just as much access to that because it is the Nike factor. Well, yeah. You, well, you're gonna have you're gonna have the Phil Knight Nike money, but I think having the actual Seattle market, having that entire city tune into your game because you have BTN there, I I, I just think that's important. Like, and, yeah, I'm not. It's not like like I'll I'll go on my list. I had Oregon at three. I'm not sitting here okay. saying that like doesn't matter. I just think that having access to that market, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I do uh, I do kind of get the impression that it's like. 
Oregon is the Michigan State, like kind of the uh, the big state school that if, if you have decent grades, you can get into. Mm-hmm. And Washington's a little harder school, more not as hard to get into as Michigan, but a little harder to get into. It's kind of the Michigan of that area. Mm-hmm. That's just my impression. Yeah. So you're for your number three? My number three is for a non-football factor. I talked about football, although they do have a solid program in my opinion, is North Carolina. Not a bad, not a bad idea. I think you can, I think they're North enough. I granted like geographic geographics. No, that is, that isn't right. Geography. Geography. There we go. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Not, is not going to play a huge factor in all this. Like, like I said, though, I think like, like you're Miami and Florida state, like the sec is just going to have that, like the first, their first option at it just, just purely because of that. But Anyways, North Carolina is northern enough. I think that they don't kind of apply to that. It's one of the best basketball programs in the country. It's a legit power five football conf- football team. I know they're not like anything special, but they're usually in and out of the rankings. Yep. It's a huge market team. Like you have the MJ factor. Like there's a big crowd around that. For it being, it's kind of a it's a brand name essentially. I know it's more the basketball is a brand name, but I do think North Carolina is a brand name. Yeah. Um... I mean, I can't, I can't really harp on that. I guess the only thing I would say is, is the football program, I guess, big enough or serious enough? And I, I think, I think the answer is that I, I see, I, I, I see no reason why you couldn't or shouldn't go after. I mean, let's say like if you went to their quote unquote arch rival like for Duke, I don't, I can't touch Duke. Like I understand so, that. So my fourth is Duke. Wow. Yes. Okay. My fourth is Duke. Wow. So you can so you kind of went, you went along the basketball side. Yeah, I mean, I just think if you're going to take North Carolina, you have to take Duke because that's the best arena for sports. So, but in this case, because, like, obviously these TV deals are for football. And, like, so, like, I guess I kind of stayed with kind of, like, more so, like, football-oriented schools. So like, I guess I didn't even really – But what does UCLA bring football-wise? Not, uh, not it brings Carolina you LA. Duke. It brings you L.A. <laughs> Which I don't think is that big of a college sports market in general. No, it's not. But it's a TV market. It's the home of media companies. It's the home of attention. The it's the second biggest city in the United States. So yeah. I, I just think, like, if how about this? Like, if you brought in Duke for basketball, but somehow they just like folded their foot. Do, do they have a football team? I'm not, I'm not sure. Duke. Duke? You know? You know Daniel Jones, baby. Don't talk oh, down on oh, he, Daniel Jones is going to fumble the ball listening to this podcast. <laughs> Danny don't Dimes. Danny Dimes. Don't talk yeah. down on his alumni. <laughs> no. Um, so for my number four, I went with Stanford. Um, I like that. They're kind of in a similar sense to Washington. They've been down for a couple of years, but kind of the same thing that I was going with. You get the San Francisco market. You the Big Ten kind of has a boner for academics for some reason, and yeah. with Stanford, you're going to get all that. You're going to get your like glorified Harvard or whatever. Um, Which is crazy because, like, I mean, none of them are bad schools by any means. Uh, yeah. Actually, like, aside from Michigan and Northwestern, like, there aren't any like crazy hardly ranking schools. Yeah, um, but yeah, so I, I went with Stanford number four. Um, I just think yeah, the the media market, the the team's usually pretty good, but yeah. I like Stanford. I, I, I don't know. I, but you could go the other way. I know we're focusing more on football because that's where the money yep. is. They don't like, do they have a basketball? Yeah, I don't think they do. I, don't, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> they also are oddly good at, at like country club sports, like golf. Shocker. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess that brings something. It doesn't really bring any money. Yeah. Um, for number five? I have Arizona State. Wow. Why Arizona um, State? I think that's a brand in the South. I think I, I almost put Arizona State slash Arizona, but I genuinely think Arizona State is a more nationally recognized name. Maybe it's because it's like it was like the party school of whatever for the past 10 years. It's like the school of the desert. Um, and I'm kind of going on schools I don't think like obviously I'd like us to take Clemson. I like us to yeah, take yeah, we have to be somewhat realistic. Like, I, I know like what those you mean. Yeah, that's not happening. And aside from maybe like good schools, like you said, in the Washington, Oregon, like those schools up there, I think the next market you go for is you start to bleed into that Southwest. Yeah. 
And I think that that the first name that comes to mind, it's not Utah. It's not U of A. It's Arizona State. No, I mean, I have I, I, I have nothing wrong. The only, I guess my biggest concern would be, are they still going to have a football program after Herm Edwards gets all the violations that he's had? Right. He's going to get him the death penalty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Again, I, I feel like we're just kind of lower down at the list at this point where you, you could throw your no, that... throwing a dart at the wall and picking right. a school. But right. for, for my number five, I went with Iowa State. Um, you kind of you, you pair up Iowa and Iowa State. You bring them yeah. back together. Um, you had a decent with Matt Campbell. I don't know if he's still there, to be honest. But Matt Campbell is a pretty decent coach. They've, they've played some good top 20 football the last couple of years. Um, They're a tournament team almost every year in basketball. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I again, it's there's not really much I can say for, like, the fifth school that I want to add other than – Right, they play decent football, and it makes sense with Iowa. Like, what else? What else am I saying? Yeah, I mean, once you poach, like, the beginning of this is poaching the top of the Pac-12, and then you kind of look at the Big Twelve schools that the SEC wouldn't take. Like, obviously, yeah. like like a Texas Tech, but I think that's the next one of the next to go in the SEC too. Like schools like that, so you, you have to start looking at Big Big Twelve schools, which are yep. realistic. And Iowa State is maybe purely because of the Iowa thing, and that they would there that'd just be another right that'd be creating rivalries yep. and getting rid, rid of rivalries. You know, one rivalries. thing I would do, and obviously, I don't, I don't know how this is if this has ever happened or if this is allowed to happen, I'd try and kick Nebraska out. <laughs> no, it's like the Big Ten brought him in a decade ago to try and kind of push into that Texas Oklahoma market because they were kind of like, I, I feel yeah. like. The, the, the smarter people kind of knew that eventually big business would take over and there would be kind of this sort of stuff. And so you kind of start planting the seeds. You go get Nebraska and you say that that way for the next realignment, maybe we go get Texas and Oklahoma. And obviously that failed. They're going to the SEC. So Nebraska, what do you bring for us? It's not the 90s anymore. Tom Osborne's not there. Um, Dude, but what does Rutgers bring for you? New York. No, it doesn't. You'd be surprised. There are not not many Rutgers fans in New York City. That's not the point. The point is you get the market. The point is you get, I don't to, think... go put, you get to go put the tournament in Madison Square Garden. You have BTN on at night there. But That's they don't. The game, it's, in, it's in Chicago or Indianapolis. It's not. What have you seen anything in the Big Ten? ACC plays at Madison Square Garden. We played Michigan when the, the Big Ten tournament. They've done it like twice at Madison Square Garden. I'm just saying Rutgers gives you – because. Obviously, New York City doesn't have any, like, schools in New York City. Right. Rutgers gives you the New York market in terms of, like, actually your games will air there because that's what's that's the, that's the school that's closest. Yeah. It, it's, it is interesting, Vladdy, that you say that because my uh, – our family friends are from New York. Mm-hmm. I was like – first of all, they have no idea of the magnitude of, like, Michigan-Michigan State rivalry. Yeah. Michigan, they don't understand that. They don't understand, like, college sports rivalry or college sports at all there. It's all professional. Granted, yeah. it's they have good professional sports, and they have a lot of them since they have two in a lot of the sports. Yep. But they do not care. College sports is not even on their radar. Yeah, the- and I would say that's because you don't have, like I said, because you don't have a USC-type institution built into that city, you're, you're looking at an outskirts New Jersey institution. I, I understand that right. like, you're actually correct. In terms of actual like athletic ability, Rutgers gives you nothing. Yeah. But Rutgers does give you that coast-to-coast brand, big city. So, like, I feel like they're kind of grandfathered in in the sense that they're there. Yeah, I mean, I I, I get that. But at the same time, I, I still don't think – like, you were still a little worried about geography at the time, and I, I still don't think Maryland and Rutgers made sense at the time. I, I kind of agree. Conversation for another you day. know one thing that I found interesting that um, I guess neither of us mentioned was Cincinnati. Yeah, that's a weird one. But, um, but like, how good – like, once Fickle gets the bag at some some real school – Yeah, what are they going to be? How relevant are they going to be? Yeah. No, I just I just threw it out there just because they have had those couple seasons back-to-back that are pretty good. But, no, I mean, Cincinnati is not a very big city. It's not a very big market. And the other thing is, like, Ohio State, like, they're, they're kind of king in that state. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's it's Ohio State and then it's Mac schools after that. Yep. <laughs> they, have, they have like whatever six Mac schools in that yep. state. So no, it's it, it's interesting. Um I don't know. It's just it, it's kind of sad. Um I I, I miss uh oh there, here's one thing that I that I thought about and like I was one of like let's say the biggest kind of like anti-expansion proponents, but I one of my friends asked me like if you knew what would happen four years ago, 
let's say it's let's say it's 2018 2019 again if you knew this was coming would you have expanded the playoff to keep it from happening i i probably would have to be honest uh yeah i i just think it made it made a lot of sense to to expand the playoff I, I, to me, it did, just based on my principles, like you said, I, I like the urgency. I like that you had to have one loss or better. I, I don't like the fact that you can lose 30% of the games that you play in a season and still play for the title. But what's it's, the difference in like, sorry to cut you off. What's yeah. the difference in like at the time it was like the, making the playoff four teams was great for what we had. So I don't think necessarily expanding it then was that great for what we had then. Well, the conferences were then. I think it was appropriate. And now that you have this situation, I think now you expand it because that's oh, no, yeah. Obviously, the, the playoff will change. That. I'm fully for that. I'm just saying, as it was, like with five conferences, yeah, that's tough because obviously five doesn't go into four in terms of like, oh, get just put the champions in. But I do think that looking back at it, you know what the playoff really did? The playoff killed the illusion that other other schools mattered. Because back then, uh, let's say pre 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 playoff. If Alabama lost a game, they were probably out because there was yeah. some other school that was 12-0 and and there was probably whatever team beat Alabama. Now, when, when they expanded to four and you started letting all those teams lose a game and you gave Nick Saban a game of film to watch your team, and even if he beat you the first time, you're not going to beat him again. Yeah. It also marked a, a change in, like, now the game is so analytical. Everybody gets to watch every team now where we didn't have those national TV yep. 10, you know, maybe not 10, 20, 30 years ago that like, if you lost, well, guess what? Syracuse may have played Boston college and BU if they even, BU probably doesn't even have a football team. Um, but they played those schools with 12 and 0, but we haven't seen either of them actually play. So we yeah. have no analytics, we have no film on them. Yep. So I guess Syracuse gets to go the playoff, you know, that it, it marked kind of a shift in that we were going to look at that. We were going to use the eye tests and that sort of stuff. A little yeah. Bit. No, it's just like, I, I kind of say it in like a jovial manner, but like I'll probably put on my gravestone the 2013 Michigan State Spartans win the national title if there's a playoff. And obviously we'll never know, but like I feel like that's one of those where like I say that because we were so good, but we never got a chance to play Florida State, so we don't know how good we really were. Right. Maybe if there was a playoff in 2013, we go there and they beat the brakes off us. And then, oh, no. <laughs> Mm -hmm. like that's what i'm saying is like i think it killed the illusion that like every year there was that school that finished either in the third or the fourth seed or i guess they were ranked three and four at the end of the year and like they said it's like oh if we had a shot we could have taken down number one it's like yeah. no they're better than you have. yeah but i mean there's always no matter how many teams you have yeah, there's uh, always gonna be the guy saying oh i got the, the third team in the bcs or the fifth team right now yeah like, always good or the 17th team if they make it 16 yep it's always going to yeah. No. And that was also kind of part of my like reasoning for anti-expansion was just why are we going to sit here and argue about a 10 and two non-loss Wisconsin? Like, why do they matter? See, I actually love the, the idea of an expansion. I think, I think it opens up. Recruiting. No, that was bad. Again, I'm, I'm saying strictly back then, like with the way that the sport's going now, you have to just because when you have so many big schools playing each other, there will be more losses. So I get it, but just at the time, I thought the, the the schools that you were trying to compare, like you're you're sitting here trying to compare a an eleven and two Baylor against a ten and two Wisconsin or whatever. It's just whatever. But you're already comparing them for bowl games, so why not make compare them for playoff spots? What's the difference? I mean, the bowl games don't matter, and at the end, again, neither of those schools was ever going to compete. What? With it that's another thing that it'll do. It'll kill bowl games. This is gonna I mean, but yeah, the bowl games have kind of been dead anyway. Interestingly enough, though, like, Vencita Bowl doesn't even really own the play. Like, I, to be honest, I don't even think they own the bowls. I think they just sit there and kind of like, I don't want to say sanction, but they kind of just like recognize those schools as like right. the of this or he, like, oh, uh, let's say Georgia's the national champion. It's recognized by the NCAA, but it's not like, let's say, track and field with NCAA host their own, like, championship. So that's an interesting thing because it is the college football playoff thing. And this could be way off, but you know that the stereotypical NCAA trophy they all get for a national championship? Yeah. Football is not that. It's no, that no they don't own it. Or it's owned by the power class. Yeah. I'm, that's, uh, it just popped. It something to uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um it's 
But yeah, that's something that we'll, we'll keep an eye on. It'll be a kind of a waiting game for Notre Dame now to see what happens. And then in the next couple of years, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But it's it's a really cool it's it's a really fascinating topic. Like I spent a large majority of like my time at work or not. Let's say a large. Majority, I spent a large amount of time at work, like just like thinking about this stuff, looking up stuff, see like creating hypothetical situations just because like a, I was a little bit bored and B, I did find it really, really cool. Yeah. It's fun to play the hypothetical. Yeah, we, we, do, we do love our fantasy worlds. Why we love fantasy sports. Eh? Give, me a fun, Spe- give me a fun season ahead. Speaking of which, I didn't get Giorgio again after I was supposed to. I'm you pissed. didn't get Giorgio? No, I'm pissed. I still don't have him. For those Which listening, about to start in a month. Yeah, for those listening, Giorgio is our fantasy football trophy for uh, for the season. And I won last year. We'll just add that. Well, that's because that's because you, you had a feeder club. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> that's a story for another day. All right, that is the story. Let's wrap it up here. Remember to like and subscribe, guys. Please share us to your friends. We can get into some odd stuff. I'm talking about really odd stuff. Uh, now that we don't have don't to. ever say that like that again. <laughs> <laughs> I meant yeah, sports no. related. Sports yeah. related. Let's okay. Let's clarify that. Yeah. Okay? No, guys, it was, it was. I'm looking at the time right now. This actually, this was a longer episode. I'm actually kind of. I was excited. I, was, I had a fun time for for everyone listening. If you if you make it through this, thank you. Um, yeah, like Connor boy. said, share with your friends. Send a link to send a link to your barber, whatever it is. Just. Help us out. Let us know what you want to talk about, and we'll see you later. Kind of one last, any last things from you, or no? Just hit them hard, boys. All right, bye, everyone.